Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Duraney, and I'm your host. Hey, Bill, it's a pleasure to see you. Thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you having me on, Drew. Good to see you. Right. So, so I, we've only known each other about, for about a week and we've resonated and, and, uh, and I, I learned from you the actual pronunciation of your last name. So I'm going to let you tell the audience H A A S E is pronounced. Hasi. All right. You got that everybody. When you meet Bill, it's Hasi. All right. So now that we have that disclaimer out of the way, uh, it's great to see you. Um, we had a great talk the other day and, you know, we did talk about how, how life, uh, certainly um, rarely plays out as expected. And uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to learn to say, not say the word never too much, but you know, in that respect, you're right. And never, it never plays out the way we expect. And, <clears throat> you know, we're taught at a young age that life is linear, that if we follow certain steps, certain things will happen. Well, certain things do happen, just not the ones we expect. And you, for sure, are a person who didn't retreat from challenges in life. And I'd like you to think about a defining moment, and it can be two, as far back as you can, that you think is, is the most impactful, that really kind of woke you up and, said, and, and had you say to yourself, you know, Bill, there's a better way to live, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that, that different way from what I've been taught. I'd love to, for, to, for you to share that with us. That, that's a challenging question because I, I think many of us, especially when you get to be as old as I am, <laughs> uh, uh, you probably have been through a number of those instances and, and which have directed your life. I, one of the most impactful, I think, for me was during the, the housing bust, Okay. Um, you know, in the 2007, 8, 9 area. And uh, I was a victim of that. Mm-hmm. I'd lost a career of 20 years Jeez. in 2006. Uh, in the trading pits here in Chicago, electronics took a, took everything over, and uh, subsequently, I, I turned around and uh, I had made a, one of the best real estate moves of my life, selling my home in one area, oh, wow. and all that money into a new home, new construction in a new area, uh-huh. uh, only to have the the bust hit, and uh, mm. it was so hard on new construction that uh, we lost our home, we gave it up. Jeez. And uh, I have kids that were old enough to understand what was going on. Um, mm-hmm. They were not yet in high school, but very close. And uh, that was painful. It was painful to put the family through. Had you rebound from that and not just survive, uh, thrive and had your kids and, and wife do? Well, we, we were very fortunate, blessed to have good friends, good neighbors, um, and I'm glad people aren't going to be able to watch this because uh, I, I, I have a hard time getting through this story. But uh, uh, some friends uh, in a different part of the neighborhood got transferred to California and they reached out and said, hey, would you like our place to move to our place? You know, you can rent until you figure out what you're going to do. And uh, we said, absolutely, because that would be the least upsetting to my children. Right. We're still in the same neighborhood. They're still going to go to the same schools. Um, my wife was still working, so it wasn't like we were destitute, um, although she wound up losing her job, uh, later. Um, but, uh, um, and when it came moving day, I would say I had probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 neighborhood friends show up 
Wow. All their cars and trucks and everything. And we moved all our stuff over from one house to the other. Unbelievable. Um, it was an incredible story. Um, it gave you a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. Um, to rebound from that, it's like it's it's it you you learn about you know being careful with your money, you learn about uh you know the value and importance of of supporting you know family and and Absolutely. and uh you know sometimes you gotta not do what you want to do you gotta do what you have to do well absolutely especially you know we talk about men being uh afraid to ask for help or 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 yeah. being thought that it's a weakness to ask for help i give you a ton of credit for having the strength i believe you know you had to do it you accepted that help um you needed it and to have it there for you must have been a a wonderful experience to have that type of support system for the entire family. It's a, it's a teaching moment for the kids too. It is. And I think it's resonated well throughout their lives. And, you know, it's been many years since, and, you know, it, it was a choice. Uh, you know, I had, I'm, I'm fortunate that we had both my in-laws and my family were both sitting there saying, let us help you, let us help you. And I said, no, uh, it's just, you know, throwing good money away. It's not the right choice. It's not the right decision to make. Let me eat my crow and and uh, learn from this and move on. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we did and, and uh, brought our family closer together, actually. Right. Now, you say that. How, I've heard a lot of circumstances where it pulled families apart. Tell me how and what you think was the was the were the ingredients to keep to bring your family closer. You know, it, it it's interesting because at that time in two thousand nine, um, so I got married back in nineteen ninety. I asked my father in law for his daughter's hand in marriage. Mm-hmm. He knew I was not religious, not Catholic. They were very strong Catholic. He was Notre Dame. Her, she was St. Mary's Notre Dame. Her brother was Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And father-in-law said, well, um, will you raise the kids Catholic? And I said, sure. And you pay for Notre Dame. I thought that was a good deal. Yeah, um, neither kid went to Notre Dame, mm-hmm. uh, too, but uh, um, still a good deal at the time. And in, in 2009, uh, my kids were in Catholic school at that time mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. And I said, not fair for me to not have skin in the game. Mm-hmm. And I went through RCIA and I became a Catholic in 09. And I think that was a very, very strong base for holding the family together for us. Sure. You know, we, uh, uh, you know, and, and I'm blessed to have an amazing wife who um, is still with me today. We'll be 33 years married uh, in October. Congratulations. Thank you. That is wonderful. Yeah. I, I think, um, I know it's very important to have a support system like like you have. And I believe it was Warren Buffett who says, be very careful who you pick to be your significant other because you're going to need that. And and you did a good job doing so. So congratulations. You know, yeah, it, it's a, it, you don't think about that when you're in your 20s. Oh, you don't. You you're don't. around and all of a sudden you date and you meet the girl mm-hmm. that you believe is the, the girl of your dreams. Yep. Um, and, and you don't necessarily mentally think that through right because at that point it's more of an emotional mm-hmm. drive Absolutely. and and there's there's something inherent there as well there's something more than just the good looks that's yeah. driving you to a person right Absolutely. uh you know there's, there's it's the kind of person who they are inside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is really important um but and and i was just i was fortunate uh, look i my wife hadn't been without many stresses 
up until that point in time. I spent 20 years in the trading pits okay. in Chicago. So uh, you want to talk about riding a roller coaster. Mm. Um, you, you won't find a bigger roller coaster ride than that. Absolutely. So after you were uh, you were in renting friends' homes and whatnot, how did you pick yourself back up and move forward with gratitude? I, you know, I had another friend reach out to me and tell me, he goes, you, you need to come in to the business of underwriting and processing of loans. Oh, wow. Okay. This, this guy was the head of Morgan Stanley. He ran about half the country uh, for Morgan Stanley and their residential loans, very mm -hmm. high level loans. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, you get some experience I can bring in. Uh, I made an effort. I put four years in working with uh, Chase Bank and Bank of America, and I was top 5% producer for Bank of America. But I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. I hated the corporate life, the corporate world. After four years, I told my boss I quit. And he's like, what, what's wrong? And I said, I can't do stupid anymore. <laughs> uh, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. And that's who I am and what I am. And, yeah. and uh, uh, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm going to, you know, and I, I wound up getting back into the financial world and, and, yeah. and financial advising because at this time, that world had shifted to where it was really more focused on clientele than picking pockets of clientele. Oh, okay. That's and uh, so I thought that was great. But um, uh, but the lesson I learned was people just were financially illiterate. Mm -hmm. and, and it was very difficult to advise people uh, on their portfolios and such because they really had no idea what you were talking about. Right, right. They didn't have that foundation, that literacy. Yeah, and then that entrepreneurial came out of me. I was mentoring some kids at a high school here and program incubator program to help them understand how to build their own business mm -hmm. um i have a radio show that that all it is for three years is teaching people how to go from building a business from concept to success right uh, so i had a lot of experience with that and uh um and i just it just clicked one day and i said i got to develop a financial literacy program and an entrepreneurial program and i know it could be for everybody but let's target a market because that's what you have to do. When you start a business, you can't go after everybody. You'll catch no one. Right, right. Uh, so we went, we're going after juniors and seniors in high school to begin. Okay. Wonderful. So we're developing a program and a business a company for that right now. Oh, congratulations on that. It's much needed in our society. And I'm Thank sure you have aspirations that once you kill it and, and make this go, you're going to go for the younger kids so they can understand at a younger age the value of yeah i mean we, we we already have designs to go for the college yeah. kids okay. to teach them a little bit different like things like how to buy a home right um my own son at 29 years old came to me 27 years old came to me and said yeah. you know he two weeks after he got married and then the condo they were living in the the owner said i'm selling you have first rights to buy otherwise it's going to be gone in three months wow and he called me and said i have no clues who to even call and uh, so uh, fortunately, I had a little bit of experience in that world. So, um, you know, and then we want to go down to sixth or seventh and eighth graders. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Yeah. People don't understand that you really need to start thinking about college at a, in eighth grade. Right. Uh, and and so, so there's different aspects at different levels of life. Um, but the reality is, is we're also we're also global. So we're all, we're already working on. Uh, we've done one virtual conference. Uh, it was in six Latin American countries and three languages over four days, and wound up hitting twenty five countries um, and eleven thousand watch parties. Um, 
So went over so that the topic of financial literacy and, and entrepreneurial skills, how to build a business is uh, is a trigger everywhere. It is. It's a, glo- it's a globe. Yeah, it's of global interest, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, if you were to give one piece of advice for a beginning entrepreneur, uh, what would it be? Don't think too big. Mm. Start small and work your way out. Be good at one thing and then once you're good at one thing, then you can move on to the next thing. And is that the approach you had all your life? No. All right. So no, no, no. Tell me, tell me Bill's <laughs> approach prior to that great advice. Go big or go home. <laughs> Don't we all? That's what we're taught, man. That's right. go big or go home was always oh, it. I mean, yeah. you know, I I and and to be fair, Drew, even with this building of this business, um, when we say in our business plan that we're going national with all juniors and seniors in high school, that's a pretty big plan. Yeah. You know, why not just say I'm in Chicago? Why not just say build it and try to incorporate it in schools in Chicago and then spread out from there? Uh, but the reality is, is, is uh, because of the current situation, there is a market that is national and, mm-hmm. and I think it needs to be cohesive nationally. Yep. So my goal is to try and develop it that way. Um, uh, so I'm still thinking big, but I'm narrowing it down to one market at least, you know, and it's like not trying to catch everybody, even though everyone could stand to take these courses and learn from them. Right. I mean, the beautiful thing is now that the, the majority of the population are accustomed to virtual, you know, events, they can, you, you can go global and people can benefit just as much as they would in person learning about financial literacy. So that's, a yeah, it, 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 it's, it was kind of a marketing play for our yeah. business to introduce yeah. our business. Right. Uh, the, the conferences are for um, underprivileged people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there, there's, that's that market and rural LGBTQ plus women, uh, you know, and, and minorities, double, triple minority right. stuff. Um, but it's interesting to meet people from all over the world. Oh yeah at different levels and, and uh, what's going on, what needs to be done. There's so much out there that needs to be done. Wow. There, there really is. And uh, you know, I, and you getting out there, I, I have a feeling you're learning that we human beings, no matter where we live, we're much more similar than we are different in the core things of who we are and what we need to feel like a productive person in society. That is so true. Uh, look, I, I've learned I don't care color, country, culture, religion, it, it, forget gender, forget all that. Yeah, that's exactly. that's, that's just noise. Yeah, this is sure. this is about people. This is about human beings. We all want and need the same things. All right, we, you know, okay, some of us want a whole bunch of money, right. but the reality is, is what our needs are are all the same. And mm-hmm. and, and uh, our mission statement is is we provide knowledge. Knowledge gives you options. Options gives you freedom. That's beautiful. Right, so. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I've learned, you know, the hard way that you have to, that there are things, certain things you have to do in, in a certain order. Like you can't skip, yeah. you know, step one of crawling before you start running. And, uh, and I've, I, 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 I think it's the same now that you need to first raise awareness of an issue that needs attention. And that's the financial literacy. After the awareness is there, then it goes into that education piece. That's that knowledge. That and then and once people have that knowledge and education, you can then guide them to the proper resources, and then connect them 
with the right people and resources, and then they can start collaborating once they have all that. And and you got to start with the awareness what you're doing, and now it comes to that knowledge piece. So this is a great philosophy you have. You're, you're absolutely true. I, I think it, it, we've hit a chord that has been struck loudly around the world. I mean, we're already working on our next virtual conference. We'll be in Germany at the end of October. Then we're going to. Uh, Asia Pacific, uh, possibly Manila, and then we'll go to South Africa because these people are screaming for this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely and are. The biggest reason why people don't talk about finances to anybody is because they don't know it. And we don't talk about things we don't know about. That's a very good point. And and if we do- dig deeper as to why we don't know it, and and this is goes to so somebody I was talking to who's from Europe, and we were having this conversation and she told me that in her country before she came here, there were there were no topics that were taboo in, in Europe. You could talk about money, sex, politics, religion. You don't get slapped on the wrist, you know. So in her culture, it was normal. It was uh, stereotypical that if you're in a new relationship, whether it's professional or personal, those topics are wide open for discussion and people took advantage of that. So you really knew what you were getting into. She came to this country and started networking virtually and she would talk about one of those four topics and get told, no, don't talk. These are the four things you can't talk. And she's like, well, and then so I said to her, I'm like, you know, it's no reason that our divorce rate is so high in this country. We're telling people don't talk about the four most important things to talk about in a relationship. Yes. The things you don't want to be surprised about uh, in the middle of your relationship. So there's something to that where we need to take off. Uh, take take it take the labels off and the restrictions and the limits off and let us be authentic. No topic should be off the table to discuss because we all can learn from other people's experiences. See, I, and 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 I, maybe even a step further that it's not taboo to discuss, um, but it's more like we just don't want to talk about things we don't know about. That that we too. Wanna, that we too. don't want to come across as being stupid ignorant yeah you don't want to look look bad in front i walk into a group of people when i was a financial advisor and 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 to to do a big meeting and the first thing i would say is is i'm because uh there's two things i know spouses never talk about it's money and sex Mm -hmm. and i'm here to help you with one of those (laughs) that would break the room up right somebody might then relax a little bit and learn something instead of saying being there because typically when somebody's there in a room listening to a financial advisor, all they're waiting to hear is, "What's he trying to sell me?" Mm, yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, and we put the walls up because nobody likes to be sold. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves to buy. Nobody likes to be sold. So I try to break it up, and I say it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and because parents, spouses don't talk about money, and I've experienced this many times over talking to couples, um, but because they don't talk about it, they don't talk to their kids about it. Yeah, that's true. It it, perpetuates, yeah, it perpetuates right? right. generations and generations. Well, yeah. guess what, folks? It's just too important a subject that it needs to be addressed as early as possible. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the whole financial literacy piece is a foundation knowledge that we need. And then we need to then build upon a strong foundation. And a lot of stuff changes up here. The foundation doesn't change. So if we don't have that foundation, though, then that heavier stuff's going to collapse, and and I and I think that's that's the key. You know, you don't want to keep learning the old stuff from our gener or the generations past because it's not going to fly right now. I I, I will tell you that uh, learning what the capital of all fifty states was has done me no good in life. If <laughs> if I didn't learn about money and how money works, 
Right. I would have been much, much better off at a much earlier age. I agree. And as far as back as I can remember, I remember being in middle school and it was fifth grade where we first started changing classes rather than just being in the homeroom all the time. And my uh, middle school was kindergarten through eight. And when I was there, which was which was in the early late 70s, early 80s, uh, we had shop and we had home ec. Yeah. And so half the year we were learning um, on how to uh, sew and build. So I, and I still have some of this stuff. And then and for for home ec, too, it was not just the sewing piece. We were cooking. We learned how to cook and clean up after ourselves. I learned how to write a check for the first time in fifth grade in that home economics class. And on, and what's unfortunate is whoever came in to change our, our education system, when the first things that were cut out were yeah. those foundational court classes that helped us, um, you know, because, you know, at least know some, some of the fun, you know, the fundamental stuff in life. And, and I, I, you know, I remember that I had to change my mindset when my kids went to school because I, if I didn't, I would have automatically thought they were going to learn it in school. So, so put some additional pressures on the parents to try to teach things that the schools used to teach, and now the schools are teaching stuff that you wish they weren't teaching. <laughs> can you? Can I, you, I, you know, and, and well, here's the other problem. Uh, you know, and we could do a whole show on the school system mm -hmm. because I can tell you things that would scare you to death uh, here in this country. Yeah, but, yeah. but, um, uh, you know as parents, we kind of rely on the schools to teach our kids yeah. the things that we're not doing at home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We expect it. And it's just life lessons aren't taught in school. Right. I talked to a private school. I talked to one of the head guys and I said, so what do you teach for decision-making skills with your students? And he quickly replied, oh, that's geography. And I just kind of shook my head and I go, what? Decision-making is geography? Decision-making through, um, was it geography? No, no, it was uh, geometry. I'm sorry, geometry, my bad. Even geometry, I don't see it. Uh, but through geometry, and and I just looked at him, I said, do the students know that? Because if they don't know that, how are they getting that? Yeah. Um, but those are the kinds of things that, that I see. And um, again, I don't want to get into the whole school system. It's it's horrendous. Yeah. Uh, but the bottom line is, is we still have to do more at home. Well, you know, you, you hit on something very important. I, I come from 24 years working in the healthcare system, and that system is as broken as the education system. And yeah. a lot of stuff isn't taught at home either, even on health and wellness. Um, you know, I mean, what what shocked me is when COVID happened, me be I working in the healthcare field, I knew how important it was to wash your hands because we do it all did it all the time. To see people get surprised, like first thing I should be doing is wash my hands with a pandemic. It's like, <laughs> what, what what are you doing in the bathroom in the you know when you leave? It's like ah, in a restaurant. But I mean, it's those kind of things that there are yeah. certain things that must be taught at home when you're at a young age because fifty percent of our belief systems formed by the age of seven years old. And where are we getting that from? Well, look, we're taught as men not we don't ever go see a doctor. No, 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 no. We can take care of ourselves. Yeah, yeah we're all good. The apple a day yeah. keeps the doctor away, right? Just eat your apple. I'm, I, I'm coming up on sixty two years old, and I do not have a personal care physician. Well, we got to get on you, man. You got to take care <laughs> of yourself. Come on, Bill. Yeah, jeez. But well, that's, Bill, that's could, our generation. I, yeah, it is generational. We got to change that. Um, I could talk to you all day. Uh, I got two final questions. Um. 
unless do you want to talk more about what you're doing now with the radio show or we kind of got to that i, I want to give you well, I, I mean I, I pointed out i have a radio show that teaches you how to build a business from okay. concept to, to success mm -hmm. uh, the one thing i point out is we did just sign with iHeartMedia. congratulations so we're uh, working out the details in that but uh i will soon be on uh, 12 of their platforms congratulations bill i knew you had something to tell us and it just just hit me to open that up again um, okay, here are the last two questions. The first question is, you're sitting down with young seven to 10-year-old Bill, and you want to give him advice about life. What are you going to tell him? Great question. Um, I, would, I would tell him focus. Focus on, on, on life. Focus on the things that you enjoy, you appreciate in life. Focus on your work. Focus on your relationships. Um, pay attention. You know, same kind of focus. It, it's uh, I, you know, we get so distracted by the next new shiny little thing mm -hmm. that comes across our path that mm -hmm. that it takes us in so many different directions we don't need to go. We waste so much time and effort. Yeah. Um, I said one of the one of the things about growing old that isn't fun to learn is the fact that uh, all the BS that you've been fed throughout your life whether it's marketing and sales and people just lying to you and, and um, other people's agendas. If you focus on what you want, mm -hmm. focus on the kind of person you are. I love that. Now this question I kind of asked in a general way for entrepreneurs earlier, I'm going to ask you a little bit different and let's see if you have a different response. You're now sitting, put a different hat on. You're sitting down with young Bill, the entrepreneur, young businessman your younger self, what business advice are you going to give him? Be patient. Be patient. Nothing, as you pointed out at the beginning of the show, nothing really ever goes as planned. Mm -hmm. and, and I can tell you, I, it doesn't matter how old you are, what stage you're in in the business. Um, it's true. It's true. You need to have second plans, backup plans, and then backup to backup plans. Mm -hmm. Um, you want to build a business and you think, I'm just going to go out and borrow money. Well, that's not easy. How are you going to do it from a grassroots side? Mm -hmm. uh, so do it from the grassroots while you're seeking money. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's, uh, uh, but being patient because you'll overlook things if you try to move too quickly. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't take much of anything to take down a new business. Yeah. Uh, you just, you don't know everything. Mm -hmm. Surround yourself with good people. Let them do what they do best. Don't micromanage. I love that. All right. So you gave the audience uh, a lot today, and they now know, I believe, the essence of Bill Hasse. I believe so. They're, they're going to want to find you and, and get more of you. Make it easy for them and tell them how to do that. Well, you can go to uh, the the numbers 216 and then the letters, the net, 216thenet.com is where my radio show is on Friday mornings at 1030 Chicago time. Uh, it plays a number of times throughout the week and uh, it'll be on iHeart soon. Uh, or you can reach out to me, Bill at BillHasse.com. Um, and I'm glad to, and happy to talk to, to anyone. I uh, it's, it's, it's all about helping each other. Mm -hmm. You know, one really important thing you need to be in life is humble. Yes. In your personal and your professional life. Don't don't get a big head. Trust me, it won't last long and it won't work. 
That's great advice. So, um, Bill, I want to thank you for coming into my life. I have to thank uh, Jack Gillet for the introduction. Um, you're a great man. You're doing great things. Don't change who you are and keep writing your own story, my friend. We need you. Thank you. Thank you. And don't forget to let everybody know you're going to be on my show on uh, August 18th. I am so looking forward to be on your show August 18th. I really am. Thanks so Thanks much. Thanks so much for your time, Drew. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Be well, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at profitcompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.